0: Welcome to the Tiger Cafe podcast, a show that provides unique and interesting conversations from members of the Princeton community. We are your hosts, Jen from Washington, Antek from Poland, and Nastia from Illinois. Every
1: week we will be talking with Princeton faculty to replicate authentic conversations that normally occur on campus in a cafe setting.
2: Now grab your favorite cafe beverage and join us for a fascinating conversation on this week's show. We would like to welcome Jill Dolan, the Dean of Princeton's undergraduate academic program to the Tiger Cafe podcast. All matters related to the curriculum, academic advising, academic regulations, and scholastic standing fall under her aegis. Dean Dolan is the Anand professor in English and a professor of theater studies in the Lewis Center for the Arts. She served for six years as director of Princeton's program in gender and sexuality studies and is a faculty affiliate of the program in American Studies. She holds a PhD in performance from the New York University. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited You're to have so you.
3: You're so welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
2: Yes, for sure. Uh, maybe let's begin with uh, our cheers. Uh, we are trying to replicate a coffee experience. Uh, <laughs> what are you drinking, what's your What's your cafe beverage of choice?
3: Plain old coffee, as much as I can get. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great to hear. Thank you so much again uh, for being with us on Tiger Cafe. Sure. So maybe I will start. I was actually interested uh, when I was reading your, your short bio, just bearing for the interview. Um, I saw that you were interested in theater studies, which is for me, a field that's, you know, very much unfamiliar. And I'm just curious, how did you, how did you get into that? What was the thing that actually prompted you to uh, start exploring this, um, well, quite a fascinating field?
3: That's it's such a good question. And it goes back quite a ways because like many people who are now theater scholars, I started out when I was actually in grade school performing. Uh, I performed through grade school and high school at a local theater at my high school and then decided to go to college as an acting major at Boston University is where I went. But once I started college, I realized that there were lots of other things I was interested in and that this actor training program I had gotten involved with was very pre-professional. So there wasn't a lot of thinking going on as much as there was movement training and actor training and voice training. And I really wanted to think about what it meant to do theater and reach audiences in that forum. So I switched to become an English major, then I was a broadcasting and film major, and then I found this graduate program that sort of looks more broadly at theater and performance. So I was trained to think about conventional theater history and plays and things that happen in more conventional theater formats, but also to think about performance in everyday life and the way in which a sporting event is a kind of performance, or a party is a kind of performance, a classroom is a kind of performance. And that field takes much more advantage of sociology and anthropology and does a lot of interdisciplinary work to think about what it means to be embodied in different circumstances. So that that's a thumbnail sketch of how I got involved. I still write a lot about theater. I don't perform any longer, but I love seeing performance. And one of the terrible things about the pandemic is that there's just no live theater.
2: Exactly right. That's that's quite a challenge. What do you what do you do with that? Do you still try to somehow? I watch
3: TV. <laughs> <laughs> I watch television. Yes, because there is actually a lot of theater on that's being streamed, and there's a lot of theater that's happening on Zoom. But I'll tell you what I love about theater is being in the same room with an audience and being in the same room with the people performing and feeling that sense of everyone's fragility and vulnerability and mortality being present in the room. So I'm also a great fan of film and television. And given that live theater isn't accessible, I'd really rather just watch something that was created for television or film instead. So I've been doing a lot of that.
0: I was going to ask, now that you're at home and not able to go to the theaters, what are some of your favorite uh, TV shows or films that you're watching?
3: I've got, usually I'm obsessing about one series or another. I finished Ozark recently. I was late to the Ozark party, but I finished that and I'm looking forward to the next season. People keep saying watch uh, Schitt's Creek, which just won every Emmy. It possibly could have won. I've watched a couple of those. I'm watching Lovecraft Country, on HBO, which is one of these multi-genre sort of fantasy and historical uh performances. I loved Watchmen, which I think I watched before the pandemic. I watched Little Fires Everywhere. I, I'm a great fan of the limited series form because you can kind of consume it all at once and enjoy it. Uh, And I'm watching My Brilliant Friend on HBO. I didn't read Elena Ferrante's novels, but I'm really enjoying the series. I think it's beautifully done and just wrenching. So those are just little tidbits. My list is as long as my arm and there's never enough time to just sit down and consume it all. I also have to say, sometimes after being on a screen all day, it's a little hard. I move to a larger screen at night, but sometimes I just can't consume as much as I'd like to. I'm sure you all feel the same way. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So I had a quick question in regards to the role of both film and theater uh, within our world today, considering like the social context. So I know that you're big feminist, big proponent like social rights, what role do you think film, especially right now um, can play in helping to kind of spread a more positive message, both in regards to um, social activism and everything that's going on right now within our world?
3: That That's such a good question, especially with an election coming up you know, so much of what we would typically experience in an election is even people going door to door, people working out on the streets to persuade people even just to vote. So without being able to do that work in person, I think what we see on television and the kinds of films that we watch that, you know, that that give us a glimpse into people's lives and how they might change one way or another, given political activism like Black Lives Matters and everything else what's going on. I read a lot, of course, in different media outlets, but seeing things on television just gives you a different texture of how people are experiencing these current events in a more really visceral way. One of the things I love about going to the theater is that immediacy of seeing things happen to people's bodies in front of you in space. And even though, as I said, you you don't feel it in the same way on television, I do find those representation of other people who I wouldn't necessarily cross in my daily life really an important part of how I want to be a human being.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I feel like, well, especially, you know, with movies, uh, it's such an accessible thing these days. Uh, It's such a great way to uh to learn well, quite the opposite of theater <laughs> in in this very case uh where you yeah. know we're during a pandemic uh but yeah that's a that's a wonderful thing uh but uh, so sort of maybe transitioning from uh your work in theater and uh your work uh well uh things related to social issues uh you know well you're the dean of the college, I'm just curious you know how does that feel <laughs> what uh what, what do you think about that
1: yeah quickly I exactly quickly. Follow up but, a question. Yeah, sure. just kind of reflecting back on when you were in college, right? You started within the theater program. Did you ever see yourself ending up in the position that you are in today?
3: Very good question. I, I doubt that anyone grows up and says, hmm, I think I want to be a dean of a college <laughs> when <laughs> I'm older. So, no, this was not a career path that I expected. And in fact, when I was in graduate school, I really just wanted to write and that's why I went to graduate school because I wanted a context in which I could write with other people and kind of think about things. I never thought I would be a faculty person. I had, my parents both went to college after they were married and had kids. They kind of returned and finished, but no one in my family had gone to graduate school. No one in my family was an academic in any sense of the word. So I went to, to graduate school to do an MA. I wanted to do feminist criticism. I was persuaded to stay for a PhD, and then with the PhD, you suddenly are, you have the credentials to teach in a university, and at that time, there were lots of job openings in the field that I had taught myself to be an expert in, which was feminist theater and American theater, so I applied for academic jobs, having never taught before in my life, because the whole time I was a graduate student, I made my money by writing and being a typesetter and things like that, so... But I thought, let me try this. And I walked into a classroom and actually it felt a lot like performing in an interesting way because there I was in front of a room and there was the audience sitting out and I loved the exchange of ideas in that moment. So I became a a professor kind of unwittingly. And then because I'm a fairly organized person and because I realized I care a lot about how institutions work. I started becoming an administrator. So I chaired the first department that I worked in. I chaired subsequent departments. As you said, Antak. I, I became the chair of gender and sexuality studies when I was here initially. And then I became the dean of the college, which is sort of the next step from there. But it's not a, an occupation I had anticipated for myself. It's just a way in which my particular commitments and skill set seem to fit the job so that's that's kind of how I arrived here. I appreciate the surprise of the whole thing and I have to say I really enjoy it but it's not something I ever imagined
2: (laughs) yeah for sure well that's that's such a fascinating uh love the story behind this uh but so I'm just curious uh what do you think um you know as you've been in this role for for a while now uh what do you think this role has has taught you as in the Mm. most important uh it's quite an important role so I'm sure that was quite a lot of valuable lessons there.
3: It is an important role. And I I appreciate in many ways, the gravity of the role. I mean, essentially what me and my colleagues do are, we admit people to Princeton and we make sure they graduate. graduate. In the most sort of simple terms, that's what we do. And that's a huge responsibility because you wanna make sure that everyone, succeeds academically, that everyone thrives, that everyone takes the risks with their education that we encourage everyone to take, and everyone positions themselves to be a productive citizen in the world for the rest of their lives, whatever they go on to do. So I do feel that responsibility. At the same time, you know, I did not go to an institution like Princeton. Before I came here, I taught at at, three different universities, all of which were large state institutions, so there's something about being in a university that's so old and has so many traditions and has such a long history of doing things a certain way that one of my challenges as the dean of the college is to honor the history while also thinking about how Princeton can change in the future. Because certainly your class doesn't resemble the first year class 50 years ago by any metrics, and you kind of want to set the next classes up for an innovative and different experience, so the question of how we respect our traditions, but how we grow and innovate going forward, is a big challenge in a place like princeton and that 's one of the things that keeps me interested there are There are no easy answers to these questions, but the the project of trying to figure it out is is exciting
1: so kind of how you just mentioned, we are a very different class, and every year differs. so how does the university itself? Um, and maybe how you have seen it from your own position kind of adapt to those changes and what has the school um, done specifically just kind of to anticipate those generational
3: differences year after year? It's a really good question. You know, was it last year or this? I have to say the pandemic has completely screwed up my sense of time. So when I say (laughs) yesterday or today or tomorrow or last year, I'm really not sure what I'm talking about, but we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of women at Princeton. And all told, that is not that long ago, right? So 1970 or so was when the first class of women entered. And that shift was absolutely seismic for the university because until then, it had been all men. I imagine the the same things happened when the first African-Americans and this uh, cup that I'm holding... Uh, is, is from the affinity conference that honored Latinx students at Princeton. So there's all these alumni who gathered to celebrate the fact that in the university's history, they were not present. So marking the presence of different kinds of, of students at Princeton has in an interesting way become part of our tradition. The latest uh, population who has not historically been at Princeton, is first generation students and low income students. Although that's not entirely true because a lot of people came to Princeton without parents who had had a college education or who came from lower income backgrounds. But the identification of those students in a very particular way and our eagerness to admit more of them to to our classes is really a push that President Eisgruber has undertaken during his term as president. And I imagine the next president will have a whole other set of students who they would like to incorporate into, into Princeton's student population. We just started a transfer program after we had put it on pause since 1990 or 1994. So now we have students who come from the military, students who come from community colleges, so all that is new. And that's part of what's fun about it too, that the student population does keep renewing itself in different ways that will keep changing Princeton as we move forward. And I look forward to seeing how that will happen 10 years from now.
0: That's awesome. It's great to see that uh, the life at Princeton has been changing as well and kind of evolving with time. Uh, Another question I have would be, obviously, you've been at Princeton for a while, and everyone's wishing they were on campus. But I'm curious what some of your favorite parts of the campus are. I know that's probably a hard question, but if anything um, sticks out to you as some of your favorite spots on campus.
3: No, it's a great question. And I have to say, since March, I have only been to campus a handful of times. So I was there just as spring was turning. I was there over the summer. And I was there probably about a month ago, so I have to go and see the changes in the fall i mean you're you're on campus, so I would be curious to hear what you're seeing. But there are so many beautiful places to sit. I love the garden behind Prospect House, which changes in every season. I love um, walking into East Pine and seeing the arches line up as you go down that walk from Nassau Hall. I love sitting outside of Morrison Hall, which is where my office is, and looking out onto Cannon Green, where there's always people walking and dogs running around and that sort of thing. I think Richardson uh, Hall, Alexander Hall and Richardson Auditorium is just a beautiful building. And Blair Arch and the perspective you get from looking down the steps from Blair Arch or just a few of my, my favorite places on campus.
1: I was just gonna say definitely second the Prospect Gardens, beautiful, beautiful place just to kind of, I think especially like right now, we're always like sitting at home yeah. on our phones, so important to be able to go out and the nice thing about Princeton, both the town and just like the school, there's so much like green space to enjoy and I've definitely been able to do that even um, within quarantine.
3: Um, that's yeah. That's good. You have to get out of quarantine. That's yes, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I was wondering, um, kinda how you mentioned for us the class of twenty twenty four, we've missed out on all of those like physical traditions, like walking through the very main gate. Um, and so many others. And how does the school kind of envision either replicating or kind of making up for those lost traditions when we do get the chance to be on campus?
3: That's such a good question too. And I have to say lots of us are thinking about that. I wish that we had a timetable for this pandemic because as soon as we know when we can all gather again, I think that's when the plans for how we're gonna basically make it up to you all will start going into effect. So will you be able to do the full range of orientation activities like outdoor action and community action and dialogue and difference it it physically i think we did an amazing job of doing all that virtually but there is something about the physical experience that would be really nice for you all to have can we do the p the uh, pre-raid for you all again when the first year class comes out of opening exercises in the chapel and walks around the front part of the campus and alums and current students are there to welcome you. I'm hoping that we'll find a way to give you an experience of those traditions, hopefully by next year or sometime soon because they are a part of the Princeton tradition and you all deserve to be able to experience them, even if you experience them a little later than you should have we want you to experience them.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm hoping the same. I didn't actually have a chance to visit Princeton yet. So you really didn't.
3: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> did you take the virtual tour that's on I the admissions did. website? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, we also had a Google Street View tour with our international orientation. That was quite fun. Oh, we had yeah. a little scavenger hunt. <laughs> so but yeah looking really looking forward to actually being on campus for sure yes. uh, but you know you mentioned uh, the virtual transition of orientation um, as you know as we're now uh, kind of already into the fall semester how do you see the transition uh, to virtual interaction in general at Princeton are you satisfied with the way how uh, things turned out in terms of classes activities what are your thoughts on that
3: I am from my perspective, and mostly what I'm hearing is that it's going well, considering that there's so little we can do about this because of the pandemic. I think the teaching has been going well from what I've heard. Most of the faculty who are teaching virtually report that platforms like Zoom actually facilitate certain things in certain ways that you can't even do in person. One thing I've been hearing lately, actually from parents, is a lot of parents are reporting that, I don't know, my student is always in front of their screen and they seem to be working so hard and can't you give them a break? So I definitely feel like that's happening because unlike in in real life, the, the academic work and the socializing and the community building and everything is happening in the same screen in the same position. Whereas obviously, if we were on campus, you would be in different buildings. In different parts of campus interacting with people in different ways. But given that this is what we have, I think it's all been going pretty well and people have been enormously creative. I looked at the outdoor action uh, climbing Mount Everest? Was it climbing yeah. Mount Everest? The, the yeah. virtual climb of Mount Everest? I mean, I didn't even know these things were possible. So <laughs> it's pretty impressive what people have tried to do to, to simulate what it would be like if we were live.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, people actually get creative, I have to say. I probably can't imagine how creative one can get with technology. But uh, you,
3: this um, is true.
2: Yeah, so uh, just kind of, you know, building onto that, uh, I'm curious, uh, what do you think is the part Uh, of regular interaction that you miss the most uh you know for me i guess you can guess is the whole cafe conversation part because that's where that's where the inspiration for this podcast came from uh but i'm just curious uh what do you think is what you miss the most uh about pre-covid era
3: at one of the things I miss, and I know a lot of people say this, is just the serendipity. So, you know, I work in my office. I'm in my office a lot, but I always, my office is on the fourth floor of Morrison Hall. But I always walk down the stairs out to Cannon Green, past Nassau Hall to go get a cup of coffee. I go to East Pine a lot. I go down to the Lewis Center a lot. And bumping into people on campus is one of the great pleasures of being there. You must you must feel this being on campus and out of quarantine now, but we're a small enough campus that it's remarkable how many people you bump into who you know, or for me, it's lovely because I usually do, I don't know if you were all at the opening meeting where me and VP Calhoun and the head of the honor committee address the first year class. We usually do that in person at uh, MacArthur theater And then because people have seen me in that context, when I see people across campus, they'll say, hi, Dean Dolan, and I haven't necessarily met them, but it's really nice to say, hi, who are you? When did you, you, how were you doing? I miss just those moments of literally bumping into people and having a conversation that you don't have to send a Zoom invitation for.
0: that's very true i think we're all feeling the same way as you as well are you in princeton right now what does your sort of daily life look like now that things are different and online it's a
3: yes i don't live in princeton i live five miles west of princeton uh, between two towns one pennington and one hopewell and the thing about central new jersey It gets very rural pretty quickly. So I live surrounded by organic farms and lots of kind of empty space because we've got a wonderful space preservation society out here. So the nice thing about that is I can walk out my door and have access to a number of kind of light hiking trails and a lot of outdoor space because the the density out here is very low. So I can walk on trails and have my mask in my, in my pocket, but not necessarily on my face. And this little dog I have, we just adopted her during, she's one of the COVID rescue dogs. Um, but it's really lovely to be able to just get out after days and hours of sitting on the screen and enjoy what's really beautiful central New Jersey like i said i don't get to campus often right now because we're being encouraged to work from home if we can and sadly i can occasionally i'll go down to witherspoon street and see that the restaurants all have tables out and there is a bit of a culture an outdoor culture that's popping up in the town and on campus Uh, but mostly i am in my office and walking the dog after
2: Amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Dindol. And it was great talking to you. Uh, you're and,
3: so welcome.
2: Uh, yeah. And thank you for all the uh, interesting insights and just seeing how the life of Princeton looks like uh, these days. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much for joining us on Tiger Cafe Podcast. It's
3: nice to meet all three of you. I'm delighted that you're doing this. And thank you for having me as a guest. Don't be strangers. Email me and say hello. We're looking forward to bumping into you on campus. So (laughs) am I. From the bottom of my heart, I am. Be well Thank you so much. Nice to see you all. Take good care. Bye now. Thank you for
1: joining us. And we look forward to having you tune in every Sunday for a new episode with a Princeton-affiliated faculty member or alum.
2: Stream Tiger Cafe on any platform, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and others, while enjoying your favorite cafe beverage, as if you're comfortable sitting in a coffee shop.
0: See you next week on Tiger Cafe.